Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me. It's a brand new season. My name is Callie. And I'll be honest, I wanted to start by saying welcome to the fourth or fifth or whatever season we're on of No One Told Me. But the truth is, as you have probably figured out, I don't actually know what season we're on. No, I have absolutely no idea. So, hey, just welcome to a new season. And this season, I'm really excited to take No One Told Me back to the basics. All right, it's the roots of where we started way back in 2018, which blows my mind because I feel like we've been doing this for like a year and it's been four years, but also like 2001 was like two years ago to me, like the nineties, I don't know, maybe five years ago. I just, I, I apparently don't have a great, uh, a great understanding of time and how it moves. So we're going to go back to those basics, which is actually 225,000 downloads ago. All right. That's where we're at. That's super guys recording and like showing up in spaces. I am a, let me talk to you in person, not let me sit here and and like talk into a microphone or over uh, a zoom call or whatever. Right. But I just get excited seeing stuff like that because it means that there's something that's connecting with you right? There's something that's making you feel a little more seen in whatever season you're walking through. So for this new season, we are going back to those basics. Like I mentioned, we're going to highlight specific seasons with specific insights, trying to figure out what the heck we're doing. Because newsflash, most of us don't know. And we're all pretty much faking it until we make it right. So we're going to we're going to remove that. And we're going to say, here's what I actually don't know. Okay. And we're going to say, here's what I wish I had known sooner. For those of us who are just a little bit ahead, we can turn around and tell those who are behind us, it's okay not to know. That's the beauty of No One Told Me. As we've seen it grow and connect with new people over the past four years, we've seen so many connect with just that one premise of using our own experiences, our own hindsight to turn around and lead those who are coming behind us. There's no gatekeeping here, right? There's no keeping the really hard stuff a secret so we can look like we got our ish together because most of us don't. And if we can just together admit that, oh my gosh, how how much easier would it be to connect with other people and build community? So we're gonna lay it all out there. We're gonna say, this is what I wish I had known sooner. And I can't, I really can't encourage you enough to do that with the people in your own life. Because kingdom work, walking in purpose and, and growing, none of it requires a platform. Most of it just requires an invitation. Text someone who's a little bit behind you and ask them to come hang out, go get lunch, grab coffee, develop that relationship, pour into them, or maybe reach out to someone ahead of you. You know, they're in a season that you know is coming or they're in a field that you're super interested in and lean into learning from their experiences. Or you can, you can start your own small group of people that just agree to meet together every week and be students of where you're at, studying what God has done and what he's going to do and sharing what you hope he'll do in the future. So drop this idea of a platform. It's not necessary. And just participate where you already are. It's participating right where I am that has created some new opportunities over the past month or so that I'm super excited about and that I will absolutely be sharing soon. But I first have to ask a favor. If you could just take just, you know, two to three minutes today to share no one told me with your people or even to jump over and leave a comment and rating on iTunes, that is huge right now for me. I'll be the first to admit that when I listen to something that I connect with, I'm usually more just like, that's great. I loved it. 
taking some notes. Now I'm going to go eat lunch, right? I just move on to the next thing. But I'm trying to share what teaches me something. So maybe it can teach someone else. So that's my big ask. Just take a second and share no one told me. All right, now let's get on with it, shall we? We ended last season talking about understanding your calling. So we'll begin this season trying to navigate the gray area of knowing how to decipher between, okay, when to go and when to stay put. This is really dicey. And I can only speak to it because I just feel like I've lived it for the past couple of years, mainly because it's usually just incredibly emotional and pressurized and overwhelming. And you know what we like to do with all those feelings? Sometimes we just like to find a nice little box in our heads. We like to shove them all down and move it to the side, right? But when we're ready to take a next step, but there's also this uncertainty about is it time to take the next step, right? It's just this big old game of flip-flop that has potential to wreck us mentally and emotionally. So let's talk through it, just me and you. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to jump into some pretty great interviews that I can't wait for you to hear. So, all right, let's think back. If you're not in your 20s, go back to your 20s with me. If you're in your 20s, just sit down and take a look around. All right, we're going to talk about our 20s for just a second because it's in that decade you're pretty much just walking through whatever door opens, right? I mean, from it sitting with an advisor, and you're like, I think this is maybe my major. And they're like, okay, take these classes, you're all right. They encourage you to do this internship. Okay, I'll do that. Right? Like there's a major you can choose about something you like, check it off. I'll do that as a major or a minor. You know, there's an internship. Yep. A job is offered and everyone says you need a job. So it makes sense, probably going to do it. Oh, people are starting to get married. Now there's this faux pressure to be dating, engaged, married with a baby on the way. I mean, there's just all these unknown things that you didn't see coming that all are all of a sudden right in front of you. And you're like, okay, it makes sense in this in this season of life that that's the next thing I should do. So I'll just do it. But as you put the years in, and you gain experience finding your lane and learning to run in it, other doors start swinging open. You've dabbled here and there. You've tried and failed and tried again at numerous things. You've trusted people ahead of you to help highlight your strengths and what you're really good at. So as these new doors start swinging open, it's no longer about taking opportunity just because it's there, right? The focus shifts to recognizing opportunity that aligns with your gifts, passions, and overall calling. So that leaves the question, how do you know which door to walk through? So I've said it before in past episodes, just because a door opens doesn't mean we should walk through it. This is one of the great fallacies you can find in the shallow waters of faith. This belief that an open door is always a gift from God. It should always be an immediate yes. That is false. Okay. (laughs) It just completely detracts from seeking and praying and discerning God's will. It's assuming you already know his will. You don't even have to ask, right? I spent a lot of time believing I wouldn't have the opportunity if it wasn't a gift from God. I mean, it kind of makes sense. But what if it isn't a gift of God? What if it's actually a distraction from God? Because we can mistake a good next step as his next step. When as it plays out, It's actually a step away from him rather than toward him. So over the past year, 
I can personally say that I have said yes to opportunities when I probably should have said no, right? Great offers on paper didn't necessarily translate to great offers in reality. Back in early 2022, I was learning the ins and outs of a potential marketing job for a multi-billion dollar company. Did I feel a little in over my head? A little bit, but it seemed kind of exciting because they had several brands that would need to be managed starting from scratch. So that means TV, radio, ad campaigns, social media platforms built, digital ads running. I mean, you get the point. And while it felt huge, it was also like fresh and new and an open door. That seemed kind of nice at the time. So I put together a few proposals and I outlined what I would ideally like the job to look like. The name of the game was flexibility for me. I needed some work from home hours, the freedom to pick up and drop off my kids, and a specific work schedule so I could maintain just these boundaries that I had worked so hard to create. I turned that in and to honestly, my great surprise, <laughs> there was thumbs up across the board. And it had me believing like, okay, God is really orchestrating this. This is in my favor. I'm for sure supposed to take this job. So in the following days, I was asked to fly out to one of their production sites. And one of the brands they were building had to do with potato chips. I know, it's very exciting. But they wanted to get started on a new campaign ASAP. So they'd arranged for a group of us to fly out for the day. And can I just, I've got to pause here and ask you, have you ever been on a private jet? It is, there are delicious refreshments waiting as you board, just after parking your car and walking onto the tarmac. No security checks, no stressful ticket counters. You roll up on that plane and you fly out, right? That's like straight, I've never felt more like a Kardashian in my life, okay? It was amazing. But anywho, we boarded the plane that had these leather cover seats and all the vanilla wafers you could possibly want. We flew for a couple hours and landed just a few minutes away from the factory, so we spent that whole day shooting content, walking from room to room of the factory, seeing how the potatoes are brought in from the truck and dumped into this giant vat for cleaning and then sent through a machine to cut out the bad parts. And then they're peeled and sliced, fried, seasoned, and then funneled into, into their respective bags. And I won't lie to you, it was low-key fascinating. I mean, I know potato chips are not like the most exciting topic in the whole world, but do you know how they're made? I mean, it was... I was just so interested the whole time, but I stood there and I was shooting the mesquite seasoning getting layered onto the chips, wearing a hairnet and an overcoat to keep the grease from splashing on my clothes. And I just had one of the clearest moments of realization. I don't care about potatoes. I care about people. I know. I mean, that's <laughs> when I say it out loud, it's not exactly something that's meant for like a sign to hang in your bathroom, but I don't know. Also, that's not a terrible, you know, idea for decor. Get you thinking, right? Like I'm not, I don't care about potatoes. I care about people. But what I, what I really was learning is I had jumped on this opportunity and I was sitting there like all I could smell was grease. I felt like grease. And while it was really interesting work and work that I'm sure I could have enjoyed at some point, it wasn't work for me to be doing. I just knew that this all looks really great on paper but it's not for me. I'm not the one for this job. And I may be an idiot for saying no. And trust me, the people who were trying to hire me were not happy about my change of heart. But I've always held tight to this sentiment that you start as you mean to go. And if I didn't like how this was starting, 
how would I like how it was going in the year? I had said yes when, in hindsight, I realized I should have said no. But this is where we have to have grace for ourselves because no one ever said the decision you make in a moment is the decision you have to stick with for forever. You get to change your mind. You have the freedom to change your mind. And so I became a little gun shy at that point, right? I was nervous to say yes to anything because I didn't have a certainty. How do you balance faith and certainty? Because according to the message version of Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. And so if faith is what we're supposed to walk in, it's, it's our trust in what we can't actually see. Essentially, if we're walking in faith, we don't have to agonize over our direction because it takes care of itself. That makes sense, but the tension lies in the execution of this concept. Why is it so hard to know when to move and when to stay? If you consider yourself a person of faith and you want to walk in faith, it's really hard to do the blind faith part, right? But all faith is blind. A couple of months ago, I was reading about our guy Noah in Genesis. And maybe you're like me and you have read and you've heard the story of Noah approximately 5,782 times. Honestly, I almost skipped it that morning Morning in my quiet time. I mean, I was like, I get it. There's a boat. There's some rain, two by two, et cetera, et cetera. But the question that kept nagging at me as I sat on the couch reading this passage is, how did Noah know when to get off that boat? Logic says he got off when it stopped raining. That makes sense. Well, that's not necessarily true. I never really caught the description in Genesis 8 until that day. I'm going to share a really quick summary with you. So it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, got it. The flood itself, though, lasted for 150 days. Eventually, a varying amount of days later, the ark came to rest on top of a mountain. So if we pause here, I'm thinking, okay, if I was cruising on that animal-laden cruise ship, this is the first instance I would have thought to myself, well, that's that. Everybody load up. We're getting off this miserable boat. We've done our time. We did what we're supposed to. I would have been tired of that small space, tired of the people, tired of the animals, tired of the smell, tired of the same thing over and over again, day after day, I, I just would have been so tired. But Noah sat in that boat atop that mountain for 40 more days before cracking a window and sending out a raven and a dove. The boat had stopped rocking with the waves and yet he still waited. The dove returned, which meant that it hadn't found a place to land. So the water still needed to recede more before they could safely step off. Seven days later, Noah sent out the dove again, and it returned with an olive sprig, showing there was growth and dry land to be found. All right. Dove went out first time. Dove came back. Couldn't land anywhere. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll go the safe route, right? We'll wait. We'll, we'll just see how this plays out. Dove goes out again, comes back with with a branch. We got some dry land, people. Okay? At this point, you would have found me out on the ark's front porch. 
you know, hands on my hip, taking a good long gander around and declaring us done with this exercise. Point made, humanity has a reset. Let's get on with it. Around the boat would have looked okay. Right? Some dry land. This is, this is good enough. But what I see is not what God sees. Noah waited another seven days and then sent out the dove again. This time it didn't return. So let's do some math. Okay, actually, let's rely on some scholars to do the math. So biblical experts say that Noah waited another 29 days after the dove didn't return before removing the cover of the ark and stepping outside. Based on the chronology of the dates listed in Genesis 7 through 8, scholars go on to say it was another 57 days before God calls Noah to leave the ark. You'll see that God does that in Genesis 8, 15 through 17. So in total, it's estimated Noah was on the ark 371 days. Forget this 40 days, 40 nights. That's just how long it rained, friends. That's not how long he was on the boat. He was on the boat 371 days. So let's say it together. What the heck? Okay. But here's what I learned that morning with my Bible across my lap. Noah knew God had called him onto the boat. And Noah knew God would call him off the boat. That is faith. Remember what we read in Hebrews. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That phrase blind faith, it doesn't make sense. All faith is blind. Faith says your creator created your hopes. So what you're waiting on, what you're aching for, he knows it. And he knows how he'll meet you in those hopes. He knows when he'll meet you in those hopes. Faith says there is more here that you don't see yet. Noah saw land, but he didn't hear God. One of the enemy's greatest tools is distraction, cleverly disguised as a gift. For me, it was a job that looked okay, right? It looked good. But I couldn't see what God saw. Maybe for you, it's a relationship, a, a big move, switching majors, taking a promotion. And not all opportunities are bad, but not all opportunities are right. We can't just keep skimming the top of what God is asking of us because we're overly relying on some gut feeling that's tied more to emotion and desperation than promises and redemption. Don't step off the boat because something looks good. Wait until God says, this is good. And trust me, I'm talking to myself here. But maybe you need to hear it too. Don't look for ways to vacate the boat convinced you've done your time. Make the space to steadily hear from God instead of forcing space for an exit route. Where you are right now is not where you'll always be. What you feel right now will not always be what you feel. Whatever is next is better than what you think you want right now. I know you're tired, but don't get off the boat yet. Remember, if we're walking in faith, we don't have to agonize over our direction. So when an opportunity comes, 
ask a few questions. Consider these the doves that we're sending out before we say a yes. God, is this a gift or a distraction? Take some time to list out what a yes to this opportunity would feed and what it would starve. Does this opportunity create anxiety or excitement? Because weirdly enough, these can feel the same. So if we don't take the time to categorize it and really figure out what we're feeling about it, we can end up with a yes that we never really wanted. Okay, ask yourself, how will I feel if I say yes? How will I feel if I say no? Am I saying yes because I'm just tired of seeing the same sights and doing the same things? Why do I feel like I should do this? Is there misplaced pressure to prove something? And one of the most simple places to start is with an honest prayer. God, give me faith to trust you in what I do see and to walk me toward what I don't see. The story he's writing is better than anything you could write. So my best advice, just give up the pen. I love you guys so much, and I will catch you right back here next week.